Today on the No City on the Sideline Dad Podcast, episode number 37, how to teach kids life lessons through family business and how to generate extra income. My interview with Matt Miller from School Spirit Vending and School Zone Podcast, where Matt discussed different types of school fundraising through vending, like stickers. You'd be surprised at the little things you see in the supermarket with the stickers and the kid keeps asking for quarters. Those quarters add up. Also, Matt Miller's the guy behind Marlon and Percy, the two cartoon apes who want to be superheroes and inspire kids to read. Next on the podcast, let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the episode of the No Sitting on the Silent Dad podcast. I want to say, hey, my name is Joe and welcome. I really want to say thank you for being here. I know as a dad and a parent, crazy busy adult, and you know, this is a busy person. And you taking time to listen really means a lot. Thank you. And this is your first time, welcome. This is about a podcast about having a conversation what it means to be a dad and a parent. And interesting topics related to being a dad and a parent and a busy person. Let's get involved. There's no more sitting on the sideline. Get up, get up for your bum, and get moving. This will be a weekly podcast and they have a sense of community. There will be any of these topics about being a dad and a good parent. We're all going through some, some issues, some similar issues. So, you know what? Have a discussion. Let us talk about it. You know what? I may be going through something you've already been through or vice versa. We have a discussion and maybe we can help each other out. I know this dad stuff, this parent stuff, this adulting stuff is not easy. I'm a dad on a journey of discovery and trying to take one day at a time. I know I'm an expert. I'm just like you trying to figure out my way in this crazy world. Next, I might interview Matt Miller, founder of School Spirit Vending and where school creates fundraise with vending machines. Father of three amazing kids and a fellow, a fellow podcaster. Also, school vending and school podcast. We talk about he talks about parenting, about vending in schools. Also, parenting challenges and school fundraising. Also, it's kind of cool. You know, you might might be interesting to talk when you listen to this interview. It's about how teaching life lessons through the family business. I found it very fascinating. That is, what his kids learned by helping their dad out pretty cool so let's jump right into the interview today on the podcast my guest matt miller matt miller is a former air force pilot for nine years a dad of three kids him and his 10 year old daughter started a business with gumball machines and stickers today's matt company's school spirit vending is the cutting edge of both vending and school fundraising industry matt is also the creator of marlin and percy comics to help teach kids values and lessons welcome to the podcast matt Hey, Jill. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited to be chatting tonight. I'd like to start off like, you know, because, you know, we're dads and, you know, we always have the interesting stories and, you know, like, oh, man, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> what is one of the most embarrassing, like, want to say one of the embarrassing moments with one of your kids that you're like, oh, man, I can't believe I did that as a dad? Man, dude, there are too many to count. Um, wow. I, we have messed up so much along the way. It's not even funny. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I have loved embarrassing my kids for sure over the years. That's part, that's, you know, one of the benefits of being a dad, 
Um, as far as one of the most embarrassing times, you know, I would have to say just, you know, on occasion over the years, we've, we've made some promises that we weren't able to keep, you know, and, um, had every intention to be able to do so, but for whatever reason, the, the resources weren't there or something came up and, you know, a bit embarrassing for, you know, in relation to the kids, at least for a time being, as they've all gotten older, our two oldest are in college and our youngest is a, is a junior in high school. They're learning more about the real world and learning that, you know, you got oftentimes great intentions, but things don't always work out the way you planned. So um, I hope we're, we're getting some grace as they get older <laughs> because, uh, you know, there's been a bunch of times where we thought things were going to be one way and they turned out to be completely different and there was nothing we can do about it. It's funny about being a, you know, being a parent. It's no, there's no handbook. You just go, you go with the best, do the best you can and hopefully that you do the right thing. No doubt. No doubt. Um, yeah, it's just another thing, I guess, um, one thing I wanted to talk about, because I was really interested in, I guess, I, and um, I know about your vending. I remember a little bit of the vending machine, the school fundraiser, but really what I want to start off with is, uh, we'll talk about Marlon Percy. How did that come up? Because that's, that's really interesting. Well, I was inspired to read as a kid, reading comic books. I would take my allowance money or the money that I made from shoveling, uh, you know, for my, my driveway or sidewalks at our house or mowing lawns. I'd hop on my bike and drive three or four blocks downtown in a little town called Sycamore, Illinois, about 60 miles west of Chicago, where I lived growing up. And uh, I spent most of my money either on comic books or baseball and football cards. And so I got excited about reading, and I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that those early days of comic books you know, helped develop that reading habit in me. And so once our vending company, we do school fundraising for schools around the country, it's called School Spirit Vending. Anyway, once it started to grow in size, we had some additional resources. And I was like, you know, I'm looking at the comic book landscape out there. And most of the stuff has adult themes. A lot of it is not appropriate for kids. And wouldn't it be cool if we started our own little comic? And I'm not an artist. I'm not a writer. Thankfully, uh, God put a, a couple of young guys in my path, Caleb and Tyler, Baylor grads. And um, Caleb's the writer, Tyler the uh, artist. And I sat down with him one day. And, and I don't know if, if you and your audience has ever used a sticker or temporary tattoo machine. But a sticker comes out of the vending machine or a temporary tattoo in a cardboard folder. And that folder is what provides the sticker or tattoo rigidity to allow the mechanical mechanism to push it out of the machine. Well, 99 plus percent of those folders out there in America are blank. Well, we print on them. So our kids get more value for their vend. They're not only getting a sticker, but they're getting fun games or whatever. And we decided initially to, to put this comic in four panels, uh, kind of like a Calvin and Hobbes type thing, on that cardboard. Um, 
the comic is called Marlin and Percy. There are a couple of apes that want to be superheroes, and they first debuted in our machines about three and a half years ago as just four-panel comics. And after we produced, I don't know, 24 to 30 of those, I reached back out to the guys that had done all the work, and I said, hey, what do you think about us doing some full-length comic books as well? And they said, yeah, shoot, why not? So we started... Uh, this was about three years ago. To date, we've published, uh, I think, eight full-length uh, color comics. We've got two more that I just need to get with uh, the guy that that assembles them and does the covers and all that stuff. Um, they're available on Amazon and at marlinandpercy.com. And we also give some of them away uh, in our vending machines um, as a free giveaway, as a value add for the kids that are buying stickers from the machines as well. Um, since then, I said, guys, wouldn't it be cool if we filled in the blanks and and were able to go more in depth on Marlon and Percy's story? And we did some kids' chapter book novels. And so we published uh, the first one on Amazon in ebook or Kindle format here. I guess about a year, year and a half ago. Uh, the second one is done. We just need to get it published. And I just got the manuscript for the third one. The art will be available uh, before the first of the year. And we're utilizing our platform of vending and, and having over a million kids that have eyeballs on our machines on a daily basis in schools across the country. And using that as a way to inspire them, uh, hopefully, to read with with the Marlon and Percy platform as well. Do they have like um, certain like um, topics in each uh, episode or every comic book, like a kind of like a theme, like you know, you know, like be honest, or is that this, is this like kind of been, been weaved into the stories? Yeah, we call we call Marlon and Percy the principal primates. Um, now, now it's not like you can pick up a book and, and it says, okay, if you want to teach Johnny about loyalty or friendship, read this book. But there are definitely principles um, and life lessons that we weave into the storyline for sure. And, um, you know, the goal is to create content that kids love to read or families love to read together, but that also... Um, you know, mom and dad don't have to be worried about what little Johnny or little Susie are getting access to. Um, we're about purely creating content that is kid-friendly and and provides value along with a lot of fun. Another thing I was really interested in, too, is um, change. I think it's like a transition to the, uh, the vending machine business. You started that with your daughter? Uh, we started gumball machines to begin with uh, a friend of mine about 13 years ago in church we were in a really really bad place financially after i got out of the air force and a friend of mine mentioned gumball machines that he and his young daughters had purchased and so we did some reading up and learning about the vending business and had bought our first used candy and gumball machine on ebay in the houston area where we lived at the time and from there, we ended up, um, it's been a family business from day one. You know, the kids have always been a part of it in some way, shape, or form. Initially, it was just putting quarters in the machine. 
and and you know turning the crank but then they got to where they were filling machines they were assembling machines when we transitioned to schools back 10 years ago in october of 07 um, they got involved in marketing and postcards and collating stickers and uh, eventually graphic design of stickers and a bunch of other things um we have had a passion since the very beginning to turn as many life lessons as possible into learning lessons for the kids. And vending was a perfect place for us to start a, a family business together that the kids could learn entrepreneurship as we built the business. Um, go ahead. I was thinking about your daughter, you said, is uh, in college? Is that the one who started? Uh, my oldest one, yeah. Is that the one who started the business with you? Uh, well, actually, all three of my kids kind of helped start it, start it to begin with. My son was 10, my uh, my oldest daughter, Sarah, was 9, and then the youngest, Rebecca, was 5 when uh, when we got started. How did the, how did the, I know you said that you talked about all the things that they, they learned, but have they ever talked about, like, especially your daughter being in college, like, wow, that I learned a lot from the, the family business now I'm in college. I can take that into, like, you know, real-world situations. She has started some businesses herself. She is also a trained graphic designer with several years of experience in real world because she has worked in support of our team um, doing graphic design for, for all of our schools around the country. My son Zane was actually our very first graphic designer when we started at 10 years old. Um, all I had to do was pay for a couple design jobs and realize how expensive it was. And I bought a, an iMac. I bought the Adobe Suite. And Zane traded a couple hours mowing a good friend's yard, who was a trained uh, uh, graphic designer and Hollywood commercial editor, in exchange for two hours of training in Photoshop and Illustrator. And he started doing design for us at 10 years old. He's 21 now. He uh, has been hired by his college, Hillsdale College in Hillsdale, Michigan, where he's a junior to uh, work in, on their publication staff and also their marketing staff and does a lot of the publications and marketing materials for the university um, as a student. Um, a lot of the kids there are just learning design. Zane has literally done thousands of jobs with hundreds of clients in the last 11 years. So they've got him in, you know, with some pretty big responsibility uh, just because he's had real-world experience from a very, very young age working in support of mom and dad's business. How does it make you feel as a dad and growing up in your business like that? How, how does it make you feel? It's awesome, man. It, you know, to see them find what their God-given talents are and for us to help create an environment and encourage for them to use those and excel with them as much as possible has been amazing. Uh, another example, my youngest, Rebecca, she is sought after by especially our Texas team every time we do trade shows. Um, she's, she's turned 16 later this week. She gets her driver's license actually on Friday. But, any, but anyway, she loves talking and loves relationships. And at five years old, she started coming with me to trade shows when we would set up tables and initially, she was just running around getting free stuff. Eventually, she started to take interest in what we were doing. 
and got excited about selling our program to teachers and educators and administrators um, at our trade shows. Well, now the Texas team wants her there because to see a 16-year-old carry on an adult conversation without a phone in their face is such a rarity to a lot of these folks that she's the best salesperson on the team when she's there. Um, In fact, in many cases, they'll tell the adults, go away, she's talking to me, let her talk, because they're just so wowed. And, And it's just that we've welcomed her and her brother and sister into our business and given them responsibility and given them room to grow and kind of find their thing. Is this like a school spirit? Is there a franchise program going on with this? Yeah, it is a franchise. We started franchising two years ago. Um, we are currently in about 3,000 schools around the country, 42 to 43 states. Um, our franchise team currently is 106 families in those 42 or 43 states. And we encourage their families and their kids to be involved in their franchise, much like we have done with our kids. Um, Our first mantra as a team is family is our foundation. And our goal is to develop multi-generational entrepreneurship and not only teach mom and dad how to run a successful business, but teach families and kids how how to be a part of that and through osmosis learn entrepreneurship as well. It must, you must be a proud dad. I can, I can tell you right now, but all that, all the things you've been telling me now, you must have been a really proud dad. It, dude, it's, it's awesome, man. Uh, you know, we are blessed for sure. And we've got our issues and challenges just like every family has, but we've got some really good kids. We have not coddled them. We've encouraged them uh, to take on responsibility from early age. Um, just to give you an idea, Joe, our kids, by 13 years old are pretty much paying for their own way, uh, at least as far as extras, going out, hanging out with their friends, extra clothes aside from the necessities and all that. Um, They've never had an allowance. They've had to work for every penny that they've made. And I think it's had a real strong positive impact. You know, there's been times where they've come home and they're like, Dad, you're making me pay to go to this. And all my friends, Mom and Dad, are paying for it. You know what, sweetie? Our job is to prepare you to be an adult out on your own. And that's going to happen sooner than you think. You will thank us later. But in the meantime, we give you plenty of opportunities to make money around the house so you, that you can afford that kind of stuff. But you're not going to just going to sit on the couch playing video games or on social media and and expect that we're going to provide that kind of stuff for you. That's a great lesson. I mean, get them, get them to start, you know, paying, like there's great lessons, teach them. Because nowadays you see most kids now, and I, and I hate to say it, but you, they're stuck in their phones <laughs> looking at it and, 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 and um, yeah, the parents give them handouts. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's, that's just every parent's different, but it's not the right, I don't think it's the right way to handle it, but you're doing, I think you're doing a great job. Thanks. Speaking of the phones, you know, I, I've seen, you know, kids five, six, seven years old running around with phones once again, we've, we've chosen to do things very differently. Our kids don't get a phone until, or didn't get a phone until they were 16, the two oldest anyway. Our youngest, Rebecca, got one at 15 just because her brother and sister weren't around anymore because they were off at school. Um, 
But if they needed to call us, they had plenty of friends that had a phone. So it, there was no need for us to be paying for that or in the early ages and encouraging, you know, that isolation that technology is bringing about in a lot of kids and, and people's lives in general. Um, they also are required to have a dumb phone for the first year. Uh, so they're not going straight to the smartphone because we want to make sure that they know how to take care of it and are responsible for it. And it's a lot cheaper for one of those free phones that they get with, you know, signing up with the cell service than, uh, you know, one of these fancy phones that's, you know, today as much as $1,000 or more, um, you know, for them to lose it or break it or something like that. So we've, you know... We're a little bit different. We kind of marched to the beat of a different drummer, um, but I think it served us well up to this point. Um, has it any like? How was your parents? Did any taking lessons from your dad being a father, like to, to help you become a father, a better father? You know, I think the biggest lesson that I learned, aside from dad working his tail off to provide for us, was dad was always home. He never had a hobby. He, he wasn't out running around with the guys. He wasn't playing golf. He wasn't doing any of that. He was home, and everything that he did was either with my mom or with us as a family. And so I live the same way. I don't have any extra hobbies or interests or anything. You know, my passion is to be home as much as I possibly can and to spend time with the, the most important people to me in my world, which is my wife and my kids. And I, I definitely got that from my dad, for sure. Was he, like, a different, in his, in his um, generation, was that kind of unusual for him? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's all I've known. Yeah. You know, my, my both sets of grandparents were the same way. Um, you know, my parents were the same. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had buddies and all where that wasn't the case. But at least within, you know, um, the nuclear family that I came from, that was pretty normal. I think another thing I want to talk about is um, your podcast, it's School Zone Podcast. It's tied into with your your um, business. I was kind of curious about that. So after being in the school fundraising industry now for a decade, a couple of years ago, I was like, you know, I, I'm starting to figure this podcast thing out. I want to be a podcaster myself and and I started getting on shows um, as a guest here and there as well. And I said, you know what? There is nobody doing anything in the school fundraising space. And most schools find out about the different companies from a short 30-second to a couple-minute-long you know, sales pitch on a trade show floor or from just ra some random website that, and doing a search and I said, you know what? I like to do business with companies that I know. I know where they came from. I know what makes them tick. I know what they stand for. And there was nobody providing that deep of, a, of an amount of information in our space. It also allowed me to get to know a lot of the companies in our space and develop relationships. We don't really compete with any of them with our program. Ours is a supplement to much of what they do. And man, the reception for for the podcast has been amazing not only from the school volunteers and principals and administrator side but also from the, the companies in our space we actually launched or released 
the 10 top school fundraising ideas guide for 2017 this last year um, as a resource for schools and educators out there. Um, just the ones that I had interviewed that I really, really, really got a lot out of and thought were a huge benefit to schools. And this year, we're actually expanding that to the best school fundraising ideas guide for 2018 and anticipate that the guide will be about twice the size um, and just have gotten a really, really, really strong response from stepping into that niche that nobody was serving and just providing value. I had, like, I had a quick question about school fundraising. I remember when I, we're probably about, the, I think, in the same age group. I remember we go home with this, like, almost like a suitcase, and we go door to door, or we get home, like, it's like, um, like, like Girl Scout cookies in a sense. Has it changed over the years, school fundraising? Yeah, there's some changes. You know, technology has definitely crept in in some cases to uh, some of the things that are available, but there are still some companies that are still doing things almost the exact same way that they did 30 or 40 years ago. Um, and so while there has been innovation, there's still a lot of schools that are doing the same old thing and their parents, their faculty, everybody is, is kind of fed up with it and ready to do something else. And so the podcast is definitely opening my eyes and the eyes of a lot of people because one of the things you find is, uh, and being that I own a fundraising company with School Spirit Vending, is you can only afford to go to time-wise or money-wise to so many trade shows for PTAs or principals or whatever. And so oftentimes these companies stick to only one or two states regionally around where they are, but a lot of them have reach all over the country. And the podcast, as you know, Joe, is a beautiful thing because it allows us to spread the message far and wide in an evergreen fashion that will be online uh, for people to find whenever they get around to looking. And so it's become a valuable asset. It's opened the eyes of a lot of people to some really, really neat opportunities and companies that they would have never heard of before just because... They're, they live in Texas, not California, or they live in New York, you know, not Texas or Florida. So um, it, it's been big, and, and people are seeing it as a bigger and bigger resource in that way all the time. It's, it's helpful because I mean, you see the challenges of, you know, school districts and schools trying to find money to support their, their programs, and, and I guess fundraising is a huge deal. Yes, big time. Big time. Schools are short of money and they're short of volunteers almost 100% of the time. And one of the benefits of our program is the fact that we step in and and help them raise money, but also uh, they require no volunteers for our vending fundraising program. Um, and then, of course, School Zone and the podcast is just there to enlighten them about some of the other things out there. You know, some of these schools raise thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, wow. um, which is crazy. And they and they go through that money um, over and above what you know uh, is being brought in from pop property taxes or, or how, however the districts are being funded. It's um, it's 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 cost of everything and it's helped that this fundraising stuff all the fundraising helps cover the cost no doubt 
final thoughts wrapping up. Uh, what is your final thoughts about being a dad and where they can find you? So I think the biggest thing, Joe, is just to be available. You know, don't let work or outside activities negatively impact your relationships and the time that you have available for your kids and your family. They're your number one priority. And um, so just remember that in your actions, I would say. As far as people being able to, uh, to get in touch with me, uh, man, there's a, a multitude of ways. If anyone's interested in, in vending or looking into what we're doing as a franchise, um, I wrote a short ebook called Live Your Dreams, The Top 10 Reasons Why You Need to Own a Vending Business. And they can go to ssvbusiness.com slash sideline dad and download that for free. Um, that'll begin a dialogue. And uh, if they want to talk about the franchise, we can. Or if they want to learn some basics about vending, um, you know, we can direct them to some resources we put put out for that as well. Um, the podcast is schoolzonepodcast.com. And, of course, marlinandpercy.com or Marlin and Percy on Amazon is where uh, that can be found. Any upcoming projects or anything you'd like to talk about or in the future? You know, I'm launching a new podcast here in October called Sowing Seed, Faith, Family, Farming, and Financial Freedom. It's just my musings on all of those topics, which are the topics most near and dear to my heart. And uh, really looking forward to that. Um, I've got at least one book, if not a couple of books in me as well. And Sowing Seed and the podcast will be the foundation for the first book that um, I plan on writing in the next year. Matt, thank you for being on the podcast this evening. Um, all the links will be in the show notes for this episode. And I really want to say again, thank you for being on the podcast tonight. Hey, Jill. Thanks for having me on, man. And God bless you. Thank you. Have a good night. Well, that's all I have this episode. I don't want to say thank you for joining me on the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast. Also, I want to say thank you to Matt Miller for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about Matt over at schoolzonepodcast.com or at the School, Bend, School Spirit Vending website. You can find all the show notes and links for this episode over at nosittingonthesideline.com slash 37. Please comment on the podcast. All comments help improve the podcast. While you're over there, sign up for the newsletter. And you can get all information on any upcoming guest or interesting, anything interesting about the podcast. Something new before we head out the door I want to try this week, or question of the week or topic of the week. So I'm kind of create more interaction during, during the week between podcasts through the website or comments or Facebook group. What is your Thanksgiving Day tradition? All right. All right. All right, all right. I'll start mine off, I guess. Mine is watching the Thanksgiving Day Parade, the Macy's, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. What is so fascinating about that, it reminds me of my childhood when I was growing up. You know, you get up in the morning, have a little light snack because you know you're going to need some Thanksgiving turkey and watch the TV, watch the parade, watch all the balloons come down like Betty Boops, the Snoopy back when I was young, underdog. You can just see all the marching bands coming down the road through, you know, ended up in Herald Square. The performances were incredible. And it brings back a lot of memories. I knew once I saw Santa Claus, it was pretty close to dinner time. So what is your tradition? What do you do with your family? Leave it, leave it in the show notes. I'd like to hear. I'm kind of curious. So please share. Please, please, please share. I think it would be helpful to see what other people do. 
until well, I guess, I guess till next time. Think about what you're thankful for this time of year, you know, because we're all going through some kind of issues sometimes, and you know, it could be worse. If you'd like to share what you're thankful about, or you want to share what your family tradition is, leave a comment in the show notes. I'd really like to hear about it. If you're in the U.S. and celebrating Thanksgiving, happy Turkey Day. Until next time, take care. God bless. Give your kids a hug. Tell them much you love them. Time's short. And really, really, tell them much you love them. Until next time, take care. God bless. See ya. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media. Thank you.